favor right now. We ask that you would give us a spirit of wisdom and revelation that we may know you better. Um, I ask that you help me say the words that I need to say and that, that it would be seed that would be planted in our hearts and produce good soil, uh, good fruit in good soil. In Jesus' name, amen to that. <clears throat> I got a few scripture verses, but I think the one that I, I'd like for you to open up to is, uh, let's see, which one is it? Luke 2 and Acts 10. So Luke chapter 2 and Acts chapter 10. All right, Luke 2 and Acts chapter 10, <clears throat> and we'll get to those in just a moment, all right? So last, last week, um, I spoke about how grace flows in community, and um, I think one of the statements that I made, and I'm going to say it again to open up here, is I don't think it's possible to taste the full grace of God um, in isolation. Uh, we need each other. Uh, we need relationships. We need connections. We need rubbing shoulders with one another. I know for all different reasons we seek uh, to shield ourselves and to, to keep ourselves hidden away. Um, but I feel like in the new season that the Lord wants to take all of us into, um, a new season of increased favor and increased grace, it's, it's going to come in the cluster and not in the single grape. Wine is found in the cluster. And I think one of the statements I made last week is, you know, I feel like this has been a 40-year lesson for me to learn I'm a very independent person. I'm a very private person. I, I, I speak um, openly, but as far as my life is concerned, I don't let a whole lot of people in. Let's just, let's just break it down. I, I, I'm one of those, I don't need a lot of, I've always said this, I don't need a lot of friends. I'm, I'm very um, introverted. I gain energy and strength from within. I'm, I, I don't need a lot of people around me to help me get excited and boosted up. I'm, I'm pretty solid most of the time. That's the way I've always been. And then I married Mandy. <laughs> and uh, we joked, when Facebook, Facebook first came out, I laughed because I'm like, you know, i got like 40 friends. And I know a lot of people, but I just didn't. And she's got like, I don't know, 500. I don't know what it was or whatever the numbers were. And I was like, um, something's wrong here. Um, that, and she communicates with all these people all the time. I'm like, how, how many text messages you got going? Oh, it's not just one conversation. I got like four or five. I'm like, how do you do this? That's been our marriage. And through that process, I have begun to realize I need people. I was so foolish to isolate myself, to protect myself from being hurt. Look, if you love anyone, you're going to get hurt. <laughs> That's just the truth. Love hurts. True? Mandy has hurt me. I've hurt Mandy. But our love is deeper than ever. And I feel um, in, a, in a grace culture that grace flows where there's community, where we fellowship, where we hang out, where we spend time together. You know, some of the best times we have are when we start talking about our relationships with the Lord together and we hear how you're viewing and what you're going through with God right now and how you're viewing this particular uh, passage of Scripture or this, this uh, section of your life right now and it begins to breathe life inside of people. 
and that's a good thing. It's it's not a bad thing to be in community, and um, so if if grace if a grace culture thrives where community is, and I want grace to to thrive, I want the fullness of God's grace, which is it's beyond undeserved favor. It's the empowering presence of God. It is it is God coming down and empowering us to do what we couldn't do. And if I can't find the fullness of that on my own, then I must connect to his body and find the fullness of grace where we stir that up inside of one another. Along with grace being cultivated in community, favor is cultivated in community. How many want favor on your life? Like favor. I mean, like we're just undeserved, out of nowhere, how did I get this job, how did I get that price for that car, how did I connect with this person, how did I get to eat lunch with that person, how do I know them, how does this happen? It's the favor of the Lord. And favor comes through community as well. You know, I have some friends that are amazing networkers. You know, networking is the new, uh, it's the new way to do business. Network marketing, all that stuff, it's all about relationships and connections. I have friends, and we'll be discussing something, and we're, oh, we need this for the school. Oh, I have a friend who does that, okay, favor. Well, we need, we need someone to maybe donate some seasons passes for this event we're doing with the PTA. Oh, I have someone who'll do that. How do you know so many people? Because they're in community with people. And community stirs favor up. It stirs favor. And I would love for us all to grow in favor. Luke 2.52, we want to read that right now. <clears throat> and this is, it says, and Jesus kept increasing in wisdom and stature and in favor with both God and man. How many want that for your life? I want to see not only grace increase in my life, but I want to see favor increase in my life. Favor, the favor of the Lord. You know, in, in Isaiah, it, it says that he, he uh, Isaiah 61 where he says, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the good news. And he goes on down and it says to, to talk about the day, a day of vengeance for our God towards the end of that passage. Then when Jesus comes and quotes it in the New Testament, he changes it a little bit. And he quotes, the spirit of the Lord is on me because he's anointed me to preach the good news to the poor. To, and he goes all the way through it. And then he says, and to proclaim the the favorable year of the Lord, the year of the Lord's favor. Jesus represents the favor of God. The law represented how we couldn't measure up, how we couldn't live up. But grace came through Christ and then favor came through Christ to where now we can boldly approach this, this father, this creator of the universe and have favor when he looks upon us. Amen. Proverbs 27 verse 17 says, iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another. We, I, I told you, I guess, the first of the year that you're going to hear us talk about community a lot more. And any time that, that the Lord gives me an opportunity, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to bring community into it. Community goes, grace flows in community, favor flows in community. We need one another. And, and I think we were assessing and looking at what we could do better. That's probably one of the biggest things that as a church... We just want to look at our church and say, what can we improve on? It's community. It's fellowshipping together. It's hanging out in each other's houses. It's getting to know each other. It's peeling back the layers and saying, it's okay for you to see me. 
And it's okay if you hurt me, but I'm still going to love you. It's okay if I hurt you, you're still going to love me. We're going to work through the hurt, we'll work through the pain, but we're going to trust this, and we're going to build relationship. I know we can have a relationship with God. I, I believe that you can be stranded on a desert island and have a, have a Bible and be alone with the Lord and grow in the Lord. I, I really do believe that. But to have the fullness, it takes community. I really believe that. And the type of people I put myself in community with, with will determine the type of favor I have. If you put yourselves in the right places, if you connect, and I don't mean like you, you, everyone you meet, you have an assessment like, oh, they don't make the grade or, oh, they don't. No, I mean seeking out people with great favor, seeking out people with great call and anointing on their life. If you will do that, if you'll position yourself in relationship with them, your favor will increase with God and with man. I believe that. Amen. Iron sharpens iron. Now, there's something that I do want to say concerning favor we don't get favor by evaluating ourselves and seeing how we're not enough and how we don't measure up so when we live and we evaluate ourselves so often and hopefully this will all tie up and make sense at the end when we evaluate when we go and look internally and try to figure out what's wrong If the question is, when I evaluate myself, the question is, what's wrong with me? That's the wrong question. (laughs) There's always something wrong. That's not how, that's not how grace works. See, grace lifts up, lifts up the standard of Christ and says, we evaluate Christ. We look at Christ. We measure how he is. We see how he operates. And in that, we look and say, okay, I need to do that. Instead of, I'm not this, I'm not this, I'm not this. What is he? And when we see what he is, then we move ourselves up towards that standard. In in terms of favor, I will not grow in favor. I will not grow in grace if I look internally and and see all my warts and scars and issues. When we get to that place of evaluating ourselves, all it does is it makes us aware of what what we're not enough of and what we're bad at and what we're not good at. And that, how many knows that never gets us anywhere? Is it valuable to assess our weaknesses? I think it is. I think it's foolish to just say, oh, I don't have any weaknesses. I don't need to, to get any better. That's foolish. But it's not the weightiest part of evaluation. The weightiest part of evaluation is who is Jesus? Who is God? And when I see him, then I know better how to evaluate myself. The second step in evaluation is not only do I close myself in and see who God is and who Jesus Christ is, the church helps me to evaluate myself better. I'm not talking about sermons on Sunday. I'm not talking about discipleship classes. I'm talking about relationships within the church. Help me to evaluate where I am with the standard of Christ because the bride is the church. The church is the bride. This is making any sense. And when we go inside and we evaluate ourselves and we go through this whole thing, all we do is we begin to devalue ourselves and we disqualify ourselves. And this is where we break community. I'm not good enough. I don't know enough. I don't have gifts. I I don't know what to do here. So because I'm not enough, because I'm not worth what I perceive those other people to be worth, then I'll just stay over here by myself and I'll just, 
I'll just be quiet. I'll just keep my head down and, and, and move, li- move through life like this. And what we do is we isolate ourselves when we do that. And we cut ourselves off from the thing we need more than anything. It's other people. People that are different than we are. People that think about the world differently than we do. If we only surround ourselves with people that think just like us and it would answer every question just like us, we will not grow. All we'll do is, con- is continue to reinforce our own biases and our own things that we think. And there is value to that. It's good to get around people that you have things in common and, and, and strengthen those good values and common bonds. But it's not community. Community is diversity. Community is being brought into a house where, where literally we all have such different and diverse backgrounds, even in a room of just this few people, right? It's a big, diverse background. And I need what you have, and you need what I have. Amen? All right, I'm going to move on from that. When we do this examining ourselves and we go, go internal and start looking and beating ourselves down, it undermines our courage. It undermines our, our, our courage to take a chance in relationship. And then we isolate ourselves. And uh, if, if I could, I wish we could just impart courage. Like, but here's what's cool. Holy Spirit brings courage. And I didn't want to take long today. I don't know if I'm going to continue with the rest of the second part of this or not or finish it some other time. I just, I can't move on until I know that, that I've expressed clearly the importance of community. I mean, really. And, and we can't make people be in community. Like, you can't force people. And here's the thing that you need to know about me. If, if I felt like I could force you, I would feel dirty. Honestly. It would feel dirty to me if I used this microphone and this pulpit to try to move you any specific direction. And I think that even even people that have been in relationship with me for a long time will tell you that one of their frustrations with me is that I don't tell them what to do enough. And Mandy could probably even say if when she she's taking care of food and coming right back. But she can tell you that that's been a complaint a lot. People want me to say, well, tell me what to do. I don't like to tell people what to do. I'm, I really mean that. And I want the church culture here to not be a, where we tell you what to do, but we offer the standard and we trust people to choose to move towards the standard. I really, I really feel that that's true. And so here's the standard. Community is the standard. Acts chapter 4 says that the apostles and the believers all gathered together in each other's houses and they fellowshiped and they broke bread together. When? When did they fellowship and break bread together in Acts? Daily. (laughs) Daily. Every day they were in each other's houses. Somebody. They were in somebody's houses. And they were fellowshipping. And they were talking about what Jesus did. And they were reminiscing about the five loaves and the two fish. And they were sharing the testimonies and the stories and the obedience. Hey, Peter, remember when Jesus was out on the water and you got out of the boat? And I'm sure they laugh and give him a hard time about sinking. But but you walked on the water, Peter. You remember that? And they're talking about this as they fellowship. Hey, Peter, remember when he pulled the sword out and cut that guy's ear off, Malchus? And Jesus healed it and put it back on? That was so awesome. Remember the, the Chris Farley thing uh, on Saturday Night Live? You remember in, when you said that? No, that was awesome. I see them doing that, and they're hanging out, and they're fellowshipping. And what's happening? They're encouraging one another. They're validating one another's relationship with the Lord. I saw you heal that guy. I saw you. I saw you take steps of obedience. Hey, Peter. 
picking on Peter today, right? Hey, remember when you denied Jesus because that little girl scared you? You were scared of a little girl. <laughs> but remember, you were, st- you were restored. We saw you take steps back to the Lord. We saw you make things right. Good job. And they did this in each other's houses. And they shared and they fellowshiped. Hey, remember when y'all were fighting over who got to sit next to Jesus and was going to be greatest in the kingdom? Weren't you ridiculous when you did that? Now we know we're all great in the kingdom, right? And they had these discussions, fellowship, hanging out together, telling the testimonies, stirring up the obedience that was inside of everyone's heart. And it says when they did that, the Bible says that God added to their number daily and that they saw great miracles and signs and wonders. It also says that none of them was in need. <laughs> none of them was in need. Why? Because they did life together. And because they loved one another and they shared houses with each other and shared meals with one another, someone had a need come up and they all were like, I, I can do something to help that. I may not be able to do it all, but all of us together can do something to help and they would help each other out. It was beautiful. How beautiful is it when men dwell together in unity? That's what community is. Community. There's unity in the word. And it's a choice. It's, it's not, it can't be forced. It can't be manufactured. It is literally a response to the Lord of saying, I love you and you're really awesome. And if you say the church is going to look just like you, then I trust you. You know, I've been in, in church literally my whole life. I, I, can't, I, I can count on one hand how many Sundays I missed church anywhere in my whole life. One hand where I missed a Sunday. And I, that's not like, it's like praise Jared. Oh, look at me. I never, I'm just saying my culture, my upbringing was church. Our family time was church time. We had revivals and we had prayer meetings. And us kids, some of you have that testimony. I know some of you are raised in homes like mine. You, you slept on the pews, and we, we, we made ramps out of the hymnals with our cars, and that's just what we did, right? And church was over. We ran like crazy in the parking lot. We played football and threw rocks at each other and all kinds of stuff, right? That's what I grew up on. And as I got older, you hear the stories of people getting hurt, people getting wounded in church. But I haven't stopped loving church. I haven't stopped seeing the value of relationships and I'm ashamed, I'm going to tell you this, when Mandy and I said yes to, to come pastor, I didn't know if I wanted to pastor. And I really didn't know if I wanted to pastor here, because I drove up on the property like you probably do, and I was like, there is no way I'm pastoring that church. No way. I told, For over a year, I told my dad, and I told God, no, I'm not doing it. Here's my first argument. It's dark. It's in a neighborhood I don't know anything about, and it doesn't even face the road. Why would I ever, I think it was one of the first things I, I yelled at like my brother, why would I ever pastor and go to a church where the entrance faces inward and tells people, don't come to us, we're going to show you our backside. Why would I say yes to that? But we said yes. So we sent out emails to all of the pastor's friends that we could think of that were really close to, and we asked them for advice. Hey, we're new pastors. We're, we're saying yes to this. We don't, we don't like everything about it. We're going to make the most of it, right? But what advice can you give us to pastor? 
And if I had a percentage, I, I, I will give you a range, but I'm telling you the absolute truth. Of the 35 or 40 emails that we sent to people we know, 80 to 90%, one of the first things they said is don't get too close to people. That's 100%. That's the truth. That's the gospel. They either said it straight out, like don't get too close to the church people because they'll hurt you, or some variation of don't let people get too close to you. And Mandy and I looked at each other, and, and at this point, I was kind of coming over to her side, like, no, I kind of like people. You know, I don't hate them anymore. kind of good to be a pastor if you like people, so Lord's really working this out in me. And, and we looked at each other like, that's the worst advice you could ever give anyone. And then someone would try to really go in depth, like, well, we got really close to our staff, and, and when people get really close to you, they, they know you really well, and then they use it against you. Well, first of all, if, if, we really, if we really have a grace culture and, and, and if we really have a relationship with the Lord, there shouldn't be anything that we're ashamed. I'm not talking about failing, making mistakes. I'm talking about lifestyle things. There shouldn't be anything we should be like, oh, I don't want them to know this about me because then they won't. Then we're building our whole relationship on false pretenses where they think that we're really spiritual, but at home we're not. And Manny and I are like, we're not doing that. We're, we're not doing life like that. We're, we're not, we have to build community. We have to build relationships with people. Have we always succeeded at that? No, but we're going to get better at it. We're going to pursue it. I'm, I'm telling you right now, this is an invitation for the Bridge Church to come into community, to come into relationship with one another. We have the same dad. We have the same dad, and he loves us all the same, and he thinks the best of all of us, so why can't we think the way he does? Amen? Now, this takes practice. It takes effort. <clears throat> Trust is a, is a weird thing, isn't it? <laughs> it's a really weird thing. It's something that you, you can't quantify. You can't, it's not tangible. You can't read enough books to learn how to trust. You, you, you can't be preached a sermon to know how to trust. It's a decision that you just have to say, okay, I trust. I, I trust. I remember when I bungee jumped. I, I don't really like heights a whole lot. So I get up there and I'm like, okay. And then I didn't trust it and I didn't prove my trust until I jumped. I had to make this decision in my head to, to jump. You know what I'm talking about. It's the same way with trust. It's the same way with community. I have to make this decision to just go for it. It's okay. I promise you this, we're building a grace culture, not a pressure culture, not a rules and leg, uh, legislation culture. That's not what we want at all. Uh, I think we shared it this morning. We were talking uh, about discipleship. What I really see and what I long for when I think of grace culture is where we all celebrate everyone's steps of obedience together and cheer each other on, no matter where that fits on the scale of what we think is pure and holy or not. Where we see obedience and we celebrate it. We see steps of righteousness and we say, good job. It may be step one of ten, but we celebrate the one. Is this making sense? So in that type of an atmosphere where we're for each other, where we're cheering each other on, then what fear is there to connect to one another? If we're here to make one another better, if we're here to serve one another, then what, what fear is there? That's, that's kind of what I'm saying. All right, I'll just move off that topic.
I didn't read Acts 10, so I'm going to right now. Acts 10, verse 37. It says, You yourselves know the thing which took place throughout all Judea, starting from Galilee after the baptism which John proclaimed. You know of Jesus of Nazareth, how God anointed him with the Holy Spirit and with power, and how he went around doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil because God was with him. It's favor. Favor. Now, I was going to get into how favor, favor follows obedience, and I won't, I'll just say that. That's the truth. Favor follows obedience. You can look at the battle of Ai. How many remember that battle when Joshua and them went to fight this place called Ai? And Joshua didn't know that a man named Achan had disobeyed the Lord's um, requirements from the last battle, and they kept some of the spoil when they were supposed to destroy all of it. And Joshua didn't know, so he sends a small company of troops into battle at Ai, and they get slaughtered, and 30-something men get killed, and they come running back saying, we, we're in trouble. And Joshua cries out to the Lord, says, what's wrong? He says, you didn't obey the Lord. So there was no favor where there was no obedience. So Joshua punishes Ai, literally, has them killed, all of his family, to say, we don't mess with God, we're with the Lord, and we're going to do what he says, and when they made things right, they went to Ai and completely destroyed them and went from there, but the favor and the Lord's presence went with them because they obeyed the voice of the Lord, so favor and obedience go hand in hand, so as we take these steps of obedience together, then favor increases in the house, make sense? All right. Well, Lord, we love you. We thank you for your faithfulness. And again, I ask you, Holy Spirit, I ask that you would come. And I ask that you would help us to know how to do community well. I know we all really crave it. I think we all really desire to be known. So I just ask today that you would help us. Hmm. We trust you, God. I really trust you, God. I trust your people, God. I pray, God, that this would be a year of community with the bridge, that we figure this out and we go for it. <laughs> Thank you, Jesus. Amen to that. Hmm. Yeah. If you want prayer for anything else, we're here. This is how we'll close it today. <clears throat> we want to lay hands on you. We want to pray for you. We want to anoint you with oil. It's what the word tells us to do. Uh, we have reading, those reading, uh, whatever it is. They're, they're up here if you'd like those as well. And uh, stay out, hang out, family, church, uh, children's ministry, lunch. I want you to hang out. And uh, Wednesday night for prayer. We'd love to see you here. Amen. Tilly says, Amen. Amen. All right. Would you stand?
Father, I just bless everyone here. I ask, Lord, that um, the things that you were speaking to us through word of knowledge earlier would be done in their hearts, Lord. I ask that they would be accomplished, God. You send your word and you heal us. You send your word and deliver us. And we thank you for it. Father, I just bless everyone here. I bless their families. I bless their relationships, God. I ask that you would increase their favor and the grace, Lord, in their lives that they experience. I pray, Lord, that you would connect them where they need to be connected. I ask that you would would keep them safe, Lord. They may feel very vulnerable in this season. I ask that you would help them to know it's going to be okay. Holy Spirit, we send you right now to comfort and to to be that that protector (laughs) yeah amen we bless you guys we love you all